This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Day's here live and on demand. Not that much in demand, but on demand here. Down a man, no Todd Erzin. So we've got two guests to fill in for him this week on the Dace Group. Rachel Semmel from the Center for Renewing America, Megan Basham from Daily Wire. They will be joining us here for the weekly look at the week that was momentarily. Aaron is here as well. Next hour, your feedback will dominate the conversation on a Feedback Friday. The Dace Group coming up here in a moment. First, though, breaking news. Candy Cane Brownie is back at Bilt Bar. And... That is absolutely a top five flavor in my Built Bar flavor power ratings. Candy Cane Brownie is back just in time for the most wonderful time of the year, uh, Christmas time. And if you want to try that or any of their fantastic flavors at Built Bar, they brought back chocolate chip cookie dough, uh, chunk the bar, uh, coconut brownie chunk the bar, and candy cane brownie. They brought them all back at the same time here just in time for christmas three of their maybe their top three flavors certainly three of their top five but all of their flavors are great all of them covered in real chocolate get them right now for 15 percent off when you use my last name dace as your promo code d-e-a-c-e when you go to built.com i don't want to tell you how much money i spent ordering those three flavors when i saw that news yesterday sounds good it's a lot i'll just say it's a lot of money all right uh, promo code DACE. I did use my promo code, so I got 15% off. All right. 15% off a lot. <laughs> okay. 15% off when you use the promo code DACE when you go to built.com for Built Bar, the greatest protein bar of all time. And there is no close second. You will not believe these are protein bars. You will not believe that all of them are 180 or well under calories or less. You won't even believe it. They're that good. Built.com, promo code DACE for 15% off. And now, it is time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was, and yes, Megan, we ripped the whole thing off. The logo, the music, literally none of this is original. None of it. We ripped it all off, but PBS is subsidized and John McLaughlin is dead now. So I don't believe we have violated any copyrights or offended anyone. So let us begin with issue one. Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. But Dad, please know that while I am grateful and highly aware of all that you've given this family, I still don't miss you. When you died, I felt like there was a hole. I missed something, but it wasn't you. It was the idea of what you could become. I miss being able to hope and wish that one day you'd turn a corner and see the world from my perspective. I miss the idea that one day you might help me fight for the things that matter. I missed my fantasy of you. Now, 
it's very important to note that the fact that the appropriateness of a range of medical treatments, evaluations and treatments of people who are transgender and transgender youth is thoroughly grounded in medical research. And we do not lead state laws and actions that dictate principles of transgender medical care by us, pediatric experts. Because when you died, it solidified the fact that you'll never be what you could have been, but only what you are. And what you are is a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, Trump-loving, cis-straight white man. That is all you will ever be to me. This was my daughter at ninth, in ninth grade. By the end of the year, three of the teachers that she had in her classrooms were repeating things to her. She began cutting herself. She became depressed. By the end of the school year, she was also calling herself by a different name. And Dad, before you tell me to respect the dead, please remember that you disrespected and disregarded the lives and deaths of entire communities of people with your ideology. You told me to never back down, so I won't. You know for a fact that even against you, I'm not afraid to share my peace. This parent was not informed of these things. I just want to say that here I am today, and my child has now removed her breasts is taking testosterone. This causes atrophy. It causes the muscles in her vagina to collapse to the point of incontinence. But these are not the facts that anyone shares with you. You are everything I aspire not to be. And I refuse to stand up here and sing the praises of a man who is the paradigm of white supremacy. So I'll take your racist mindset, I'll take your money, and I'll take your advice. And I swear to God I will make this world a better place. Not at all because of you, but in exact opposition to you. Do you think it's good for kids to see all of these sexualized things, like people kissing each other, girls kissing each other, guys in thongs, girls with is out, yourself? Yes, because if you don't show them this now, then they harbor who they are as they get older. They feel like they're not included in society. So you think sexualized activity should begin with them at a young age? Yes, I mean, I was watching like eight years old. And you think that's good? Yeah. Should the LGBT be inclusive of bestiality? I don't even know what that is. With animals. I mean, if that's what you want, then that's what you want. You would accept that? Yeah. First question. I don't have one after watching that, actually. So, and we have we have two women, so I can't do ladies first. So, Aaron, I'm going to make you go first and explain why the hell you subjected us to that. I haven't on the montage, so I just gave you a concentrated dose of the most wicked of the wicked this week, and it wasn't really a conscious choice with the montages this week. I just came to the end of the week and I realized that there's all of this just demonic crap laying around and hey, that'll uh, fit uh, fit perfectly on a segment named after a demon general. So that's that's why. Um, the worst of the worst in my mind. I mean, if, I'm, I'm sure the, the, the young woman, I guess you call that a eulogy, eulogizing her father by just completely and totally in public just pissing all over him that's has that ever happened before in regimes 
Usually, they it accompanies Has that ever a, happened it accompanies uh, brown shirts. Yeah, typically. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's it's kind of sparking some. But, but the worst of the worst in 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 my mind this week. And boy, howdy! I don't know how you get a worst of the worst out of that. Is uh, Dick Levine once again? Dick Levine talking about hey. All of the stuff about meatball surgery on minors and uh, lopping off entire body parts and uh, creating gashes and fake penises. Hey, this is all grounded in research. We don't need any laws telling us experts what to do. That's, I don't know, that, that, that sums up so perfectly, at least the, um, the medical arm of the spirit of the age. In my mind, that clip from Dick Levine. After a fair trial, of course. Rachel, you're up. It was so hard. It was so hard to see that mom uh, speaking. Yeah. In fact, I, this whole week has been me seeing more clips of parents coming forward. I know Glenn Beck had a dad on this weekend, uh, this week that was talking about how his he can't have custody of his kids and uh, for the same types of reasons. And I, this is just anecdotal on my end, but I feel like the parents speaking out even a couple months ago were just relegated to a dad here or there in Canada. And now I'm hearing about parents everywhere here in the United States that are showing these pictures of their children, many of whom are still living at home, that they have no control over. And it is just one of the most hopeless things to watch a parent right there, knowing that there's nothing that really not much anything we can do to help. That was the most heart wrenching thing for me this week. Amen. Megan. You know, um, yeah, hearing uh, Dick Levine uh, say those things, that is horrifying. But at the same time, you come to expect that. We know how this play is run. Um, they stock some sort of um, official government board or some sort of official scientific board with trans activists. And then they say, oh, well, we're listening to the science of this board. We know how that works. So maybe I'm just a little desensitized to that. Um, the mother, that was just horrifying. I mean, as a mom, to sit there and watch your child destroy herself, destroy um, the good creation that God gave her, destroy her beauty, destroy her natural feminine function. I can't imagine how heartrending that would be. Um, I mean, really, it's painful to to watch that video. But I think for me, actually, I do go to that um, clip of the young woman delivering a speech at her father's funeral. And I think it's because of this. She went up there and she did that. And there is an audience full of people. There is a huge room full of people who presumably loved this man. And none of them say a man. word. Yeah, they just let it none go None of on. them said a word. Yeah. You didn't see anybody get up. You didn't see anybody stop it. I'm going to presume that possibly that girl had relatives, older adult relatives there, yeah. that they did not stop her Excellent or point. say anything. I, I mean, I didn't even really hear much in, in terms of gasps or anything out of that crowd. They were just so cowed. And when I look at that, you think of what happens in China and how much that process of denouncing your parents mm -hmm. is part of social control. And so that's what I saw there and that's why that was so frightening to me because you think when we saw those videos in the 1980s coming out of China, how that could happen, now we know how it happens. Um, so, you know, to me, I also go biblical and go, there's something that we know in the end times that children are going to be disobedient, they're going to dishonor their parents, and we just saw that. What can men do against such reckless complacency? Just the sitting there and allowing that brat to continue on. That is, 
I've become so complacent in, in observing our own complacency. I didn't even pick up on that watching that video, Megan. So that's an excellent point. As a follow-up question to you, um, when does the actually crowd over at the Southern Baptist Convention uh, come back and tell us that uh, there might be some uh, really good reasons uh, for meatball surgery and uh, don't be a bigot, otherwise you won't get invited to the next uh, Beth Moore concert if uh, you think it's evil? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be too long, and I'll tell you why, because, you know, we saw the marriage vote this week, and Roy Blunt of Missouri was one of the notorious 12 who helped pass that, and you have to keep in mind, he is, he was for four years president of a Southern Baptist University. And there he was voting with them. And where has been the condemnation, specific condemnation of Roy Blunt? We haven't heard it. And then we look at Christianity Today, the flagship publication of evangelicalism founded by Billy Graham. The only story they have up right now, the only opinion about the Respect for Marriage Act is um, an essay that says it's a good day's work. So it's really tough to wrap your mind around that. So I don't think it will be long. Instead, the, the rebukes that we get. Remember the Irish priest we had on the montage yesterday? Yeah, now that, phenomenal that was, homily he yeah, gave. The, yeah, the homily that he gave, just straight truth for two, three minutes. I'm sure it went on in the full sermon. But um, it, instead, of, instead of rebuking people like Roy Blunt in, in Western civilization, that priest was actually rebuked by his bishop. Death of the West. We're just man. saying. We're just saying basic, basic yep. truth that uh, any Orthodox Christian understands. You're you're living through the death of the West. That's what you're living for. You're living through. Exit question. On a scale of one to ten, with one being the odds Republicans won't help Democrats pass so-called gay marriage, ten being the odds Lindsey Graham would like to have a gay marriage. Rank this week's depths of total depravity, Rachel. I'm giving it a nine just because I'm taking one off, one point for Graham for voting against McConnell. Otherwise, it would have been a pure 10 week. <laughs> Every now and then he pretends he still lives in South Carolina, and that was one of those votes. There you go. What about you, Megan? Yeah, I'm turning it to 11. Um, it, what, I forget what movie that was, but the spinal tap. dial goes to 11. Yeah. I mean, that's right, spinal tap. Because uh, they already did. They're already helping. They're already... Opening the door, we have, again, SBC former um, leadership helping open the door to the uh, oppression, to lawsuits, to the targeting of Christians. They participated in that. It's hard for me to see much more betrayal when I look at Christian leaders who served in ministry doing that. Amen. Aaron? It's a 10. Issue two. The dog always returns to its own vomit. Despite pleas to wait until after the Georgia runoff to vote, and despite the challenge from Senator Rick Scott, Mitch McConnell will once again lead the Republican minority in the Senate. In the House, Kevin McCarthy passed a GOP conference vote to make him House Speaker, though that road seems a little harder for him to get to 218 votes he needs. At the RNC, Rona Romney-McDaniel seems poised to hold on to her chairmanship. Mitch McConnell, once more in the most swampy way possible, pointed us to why he thinks Republicans fared so poorly in the midterms. We underperformed among independents and moderates because their impression of many of the people in our party and leadership roles is that they're involved in chaos, negativity, uh, excessive uh, attacks, and it it frightened uh, independent and moderate Republican voters. Forgive me, point of order. Isn't Mitch McConnell 
in a leadership role? Yeah. Any anybody? Yeah. Is this yeah? Is this on Bueller? Is this um, it, <laughs> okay? So. Uh, let's get to the first question. And Rachel, I'm going to go to you first, because you are part of a group that's trying to change the premise of our opening question to this topic. But for now, are you surprised that the GOP is still continuing to be run by all the same people that just lost the last elections? Are you surprised or I know you're not. So then anybody who's surprised would essentially be a moron. There's right. They, or they've been a Republican for three minutes. Okay, so your thoughts. I know this is going to come as a surprise because I'm not normally a silver linings girl, but let me break it down to you why I'm actually somewhat encouraged about both the Senate and the House leadership. Because uh, like you said, people are calling for new leadership. You had Mike Pence, you had uh, Mike Pompeo going on and saying, we need new leadership as it pertains to uh, Donald Trump, of course, but then they go on to endorse uh, McCarthy and McConnell. So apparently new leadership only applies to certain sections here. But here's why I'm actually encouraged. Yes, it's the bane of our existence that Mitch McConnell is still uh, the House Minority Leader. You know, you know, Steve, that I've spent a lot of my life trying to fight him. I moved to Kentucky to try to get rid of him. That's where you and I met. Mm-hmm. I don't like this one bit, but here's what I will tell you. For the first time, at least in recent memory, he had a challenger and he got 10, 11 no votes for him. 10 votes for Rick Scott, one vote voting president. Actually, a member of his own leadership team voted president, president, which is kind of ballsy. So here's what I would say. Yes, it's returning to your own vomit in the sense we're getting Mitch McConnell again, but I do think the 10 rallying behind against him do hopefully reflect some of the fact that maybe he's going to have to be a little bit more conciliatory towards his conference. Okay, let's talk about the House, because I'm actually pretty stoked about this, because I do not think as far as it goes in January, when the real House vote happens on January 3rd, because the House votes a little bit differently from the Senate, where they have this cartel vote behind closed doors that they had happen this week, they actually, unlike the Senate, have to go on the House floor in front of C-SPAN, Fox News, CNN, and in front of the cameras and in front of the world say they vote for Kevin McCarthy. Right now, he does not have the votes to be Speaker. He has 37 right now, folks who say, I am not going to vote for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker, and he can only lose five. So I'm actually very encouraged that the dog's not going to return to its vomit on the House side yet. This is a live fire exercise. We'll see what what happens in the next couple months. But I've been shocked, shocked that we have had folks on the conservative side be as gutsy as they have been, because you and I have always been encouraged, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they disappoint us, and we never get our hopes up. I don't think the House is going to have McCarthy as speaker in January. So walk our audience through this. I remember when we were organizing to stop Boehner from being speaker and several people who signed the pledge to not vote for Boehner then got elected. And the first vote they made in the House was to violate that pledge and vote for Boehner. And the strategy, though, at the time was that no one would really want to rise up and challenge him mano a mano. So first, the, the position had to be vacated, that there was not the 218 votes necessary for John Boehner to be speaker. And then once that was made clear, then people would begin to come forward as potential uh, successors or challengers in that event. Do, is that how this is going? You're, you're, is that the game plan here again? Is, 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 is that how the order of events would take place? 
Yes, it's a little, yes, you're exactly right, but with a, a, a tiny little bit of difference for how we, we took out Boehner. The first thing is a lot of uh, the, the GOP media, um, the Hill establishment, all of the Hill rags, the cartel media, they're all saying McCarthy is speaker and he won overwhelmingly in this behind closed doors vote. What they are not telling you is that's not how these leadership votes works. The first step is to show that the heir apparent does not have the votes. We don't need a clear alternative right now. We've got months, we've got weeks and a month and a half for that, for a new person to arise. We had the brave Andy Biggs rise up and say, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. So A, you guys don't have to go home, lie to your constituents and say, well, McCarthy is the only one there. I'm going to have to vote for him. Mm -hmm. You have no excuse now. I put my name in. So the first step is showing McCarthy does not have the votes. And then you're going to see a lot of horse trading over the next couple weeks before January 3rd as more and more members peel off. And I'll tell you in a second why I think more members members will peel off because they're realizing McCarthy does, there is no way McCarthy can go from losing 37 votes to only losing five. And the reason why I don't think he can pull 30 plus back in the next month and a half is because House Freedom Caucus and, and conservatives and even not even that many conservative members have gone to him in the last two days and have said, listen, we want several rule changes to happen in the conference. You're going to be the most powerful person next Congress. We want you to to not be the only one with power here. Give us the opportunity to put our bills on the floor. Give us the opportunity to have conservatives on, on committees. And it has been normal, rational, establishment-type members asking him for this. And he has said, absolutely not. I will not work with you. And he has ticked off a lot of people that were, as of Tuesday, in his court. And he is losing more and more by the day because he is doing a, 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 a tight fist, I'm iron fist, I'm in charge vote. So all we need now is people, more people now saying, I'm not going to vote for him. You can say if you want to vote for Andy Biggs now if you want. I think there's going to be a lot of other folks throwing their names in the ring. And honestly, I'll make this as my last point. It doesn't matter, to be honest with you, what that type of person looks like. It doesn't matter if they are an Andy Biggs or maybe they're a little bit, they're, they're a squishier type. The fact that we're getting rid of the regime and we're so knocking them off of their, their, um, their, their stride and their power, we are also soliciting massive changes from them when it comes to the rules that we're doing now. I have not seen this type of demands made, even in the Boehner fight. It was more or less, get us a new speaker, get us not a new speaker. Now the list of demands is 10 long, and it's just shaping up to be, I'm, I've been, I'll just end with this. I've been very impressed with conservatives. They haven't disappointed me yet, and that is very hard for me to say. All right. I mean, I respect your opinion immensely. You know that. So that's good to hear. Megan, your thoughts? Well, it is really good to hear all of that from Rachel because, you know, as a reporter, we sort of hear about this after the people who are behind the scenes are making these deals and working on it. So Rachel definitely has some really good information there. That's encouraging to me to hear. I'm probably a little more pessimistic, though. I thought the best headline I saw um, the day after the very disappointing election was that Babylon Bee headline, Republican Party narrowly avoids a red wave. Uh, because that's true, right? That's what they wanted. I go, those were the winners. The winners were the Republican establishment. And um, I feel like, you know, that was probably the goal all along to not spend money on races where they knew that they were going to be welcoming in people who would vote against them as the entrenched power. So I, I'm pretty team returning to vomit. I'm hoping Rachel is right, though. Um, so, you know, again, obviously we will have Mitch McConnell, um, and I, I, I hope she's right about, uh, 
Andy Biggs. I hope she's right about any of the other challengers. I would love to see any sort of difference here. I'm already really pleased and thrilled with the aggressive actions that the House Freedom Caucus is taking. So, um, you know, let me know what I can do. Sign me up to put pressure on that. Aaron. So it is, I am also slightly encouraged, even on the Senate side, I, I think there were more people to, and just to be clear, my standards, my expectations for Washington are subterranean. So take that in mind. That's my handicap when I say this. But I think there were more people uh, it, who opposed Mitch McConnell than I think even McConnell's camp was expecting. And on the House side, I'm encouraged as well, if for nothing else, than to just, as Rachel was saying, knock the establishment off balance. But um, kind of t- picking up where, where Megan left off, it is fascinating in, in kind of a morbid way the dynamic that continues to play out, and it's played out with uh, with the establishment and their base in the Republican Party my entire life. Uh, I'll be 30 in February, which is the same dynamic that plays out between the spirit of the age, the progressive left, and civilization and culture, which is heads I win, tails you lose. Mm-hmm. So we want to diddle kids now. That's what the spirit of the age says. Instead of saying that, we're, we're going to do drag queens. Now we're talking about drag queens. We're a little bit closer to the goal, but now we're talking about drag queens. Heads I win, tails you lose. Even if you reject that, we're still talking about it, which is a win. That, that same dynamic can be played out in anything, like any arena whatsoever, just expanding the Overton window. When you hear Mitch McConnell talk about, well, look at this. I mean, all of the moderate and uh, independent voters were scared off by Republican leadership being too mean and too scathing and blah, 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 blah. The fact of the matter is you could have spent your millions of dollars in Arizona instead of Alaska or any number of races or maybe fortified in Pennsylvania, even though it makes me sick to say, or Georgia a little bit more. People like Mitch McConnell always play this game, which is I have the power to actually make a difference here, but I don't like these candidates, so I'm not. So then I'm going to gaslight you after the election and say, hey, it's because your candidates were awful, not because I didn't do anything or not because I didn't have a message. Tails I win, heads you lose. It's the same dynamic between the GOP establishment and its base. That's the same dynamic between the spirit of the age and our culture and civilization at large. Very well said. Uh, Let's get to the exit question. I I just want to reiterate. I mean, uh, a lot of times over the years, Rachel and I have shared a brain. So if she's on here preaching optimism all right i i will i will at least pay attention to it i i don't know that i can i can subscribe to it but but i'm i'm i'll pay attention to it i'll give it a shot i'll I'll keep hope alive all right i'll give it a shot here all right exit question what is more likely to be true by the end of 2024 trump is elected president again or mitch mcconnell is still senate republican leader aaron Mitch McConnell is still Senate Republican leader. Megan. Yeah, I got to go with that, too. Rachel. I think Donald Trump is president because I think, here's my prediction, I think McConnell stays around for another two. Did she Uh-oh. freeze on us? She froze on us. Okay. I think she was going to say stays around for another two years. I really years. wanted to hear that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so did I. I, think, I think she was going to say stays around for another two years to finish his term, and then ejects. No, I was going to say two years and then he's gone. I ah, think he retires halfway through his... Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought you might say. Okay. Sorry about that. We got it in, though. We got it in. All right. Thank you. Um, you know what? If you're discouraged, 
uh, about donating to uh, um, politicians and causes that hate you. And if you're looking for things to donate to that uh, actually understand how to show the hand and hands and feet of the gospel, what it means to uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself within the structure of loving your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Look at a ministry called Preborn. Uh, they find moms just like my mom was 50 years ago. Uh, a mom in crisis, 14 years old, pregnant, not sure she can have a baby. Roe v. Wade happens, and now a choice that she didn't think was on her radar, she now has the option to choose. And thankfully, you know the result. She chose life, and that's why I'm here today. And Preborn has helped reach over 180,000 moms over the years and convinced them to give their babies a chance. And they've done that a couple of ways. One is the sonograms they show moms so that they know, hey, that's a heartbeat. You have a, a, a live human being within you right there. Not a blob, not an amorphous blob, not an unviable tissue mass. That's a human being. But, but beyond that, though, they were prepared for the day that Roe v. Wade was toppled for many years. They were already doing the aftercare. They were already providing maternity, baby clothes, uh, diapers, car seats, counseling, and all of that free of charge because of donations from people like us. So if you're looking for a worthwhile cause to donate to any time of year, but particularly this time of year, uh, we certainly seem to have our hearts more open, uh, the most open, I should say, uh, to giving to great causes. Check out our friends over at Preborn. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby when you do. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby when you do. Or if this is easier for you, just do what, what our family did. Just go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, you can go to preborn.com slash Steve. All right, after the break, begun. Five seconds. Actually, it really started even before we got to the election returns. We were talking last week about whether Trump was going to announce on election night the day before the election. Uh, Trump waited until about uh, a week after the election and then announced uh, Ron DeSantis is getting questions now about whether he's going to run. Uh, he is surging in polling from the right, actually, all over the country. But you still have Donald Trump as the most potent force in American politics at the exact same time. So begun the Trump and DeSantis war has, and we will discuss it here on the Dace Group next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You know, the majority of U.S. pork production comes from a company that has Chinese ownership. Just another reason why. I mean, it's a great idea. Let's go ahead and let the Shycoms control about 80% of our antibiotic uh, distribution supply. Let's let them control 60% of our pork. I mean, these are phenomenal decisions. But then they were all just one big, happy world 
government family, aren't we? Uh, that's not the way they think over at Moink. That's why they deliver grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door, farm-to-table from American farmers and fishermen the way that our grandparents and all previous generations before them ate here in America. All right, if you want to keep American farming going, sign up right now at moinkbox.com Steve when you do. You get free filet mignon in every order you make for a year. Free filet mignon in every order you make for a year. Did you hear me? Free filet mignon for every order you make in a year. When you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve, M-O-I-N-K, that's how they spell it, moinkbox.com slash Steve. No Todd this week. He's off to watch uh, his eldest play in the NCAA soccer tournament, but We've got Rachel Semmel from the Center for Renewing America, Megan Basham from Daily Wire as our guest panelist on the Dace Group here this week. Uh, Let's get to issue three, begun the Trump-DeSantis war has. It all started before the midterms with this. Trump at 71, Ron DeSanctimonious at 10%, Mike Pence at 7. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. And then after Ron DeSantis' record-breaking performance in his re-election bid for governor in Florida, it was a post from Trump at Truth Social comparing the amount of votes he received in the last presidential election in Florida to the votes DeSantis received in his gubernatorial re-election. And then there was a long, rambling statement from Trump accusing DeSantis of colluding with Republican establishment and Fox News to prevent him from running for president again. Here's how DeSantis responded. When you're, do, when you're leading, when you're getting, getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm, just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning. And it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you, what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, Are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Megan, you get the first question this time. Did Trump make the right decision to declare so early? Is DeSantis making the right decision by largely staying mum? Or you can take the conversation any way you wish. What say you? Well, you know, I don't know if it was the right move for Trump, um, simply because people want to see him as a party player. There's a feeling that, okay, if Trump doesn't wait until after the Senate runoff in Georgia, then he's not really a team player. And, you know, that's neither really here nor there to me, because I think what's going to happen in Georgia is going to happen in Georgia, regardless of whether or not Trump announced, because we knew he was going to announce. So it's not like it wasn't a story before that. Everybody was already talking about it. So um, for that purpose, I really don't think it it really matters either way as far as Trump goes. I think DeSantis is wise to hang back. But I think for all of us, I want the fight. Bring the fight. Let's hash it out. Let's do this. Um, Part of the reason I think we need to be doing it is because you have these very smart heads in the room that always want to strategize and go, here's how long we need to wait. Here's why we don't talk about this yet. And really, beneath it all, it's always Mm self-serving. I say, What we have right now is a uniparty. We know that we don't have representation. We know that the thing Trump was elected to do was disrupt that order. 
Now, whether or not you think he did it to the best of his ability, I think he did very much before COVID happened. But we need to get back to having that conversation. We need to have the fight. And um, I'm ready to have it. So I say, yes, let them hash it out. And let's see what comes of all of this bashing and back and forth that we're going to get. Um, so I'm not really that interested in what it does to them. I'm interested in what it does for us. And for that reason, I think it's a really good thing. Let's go ahead. I really love that last line in particular. I, enough of thing about what is best for our employees. It's really about what is best for those of us who own the damn company. All right. And they don't. We do. So uh, we can disagree on what is best. But I like the idea of starting the conversation from the premise of what's best for us, not for them. Agreed. Rachel, what are your thoughts? I, if I'm Trump, I think one of the reasons why I'm announcing now when I do has largely uh, a lot to deal with what he's facing legally. So there's obviously conversation right now of him possibly being indicted, then pursuing treason charges. If I'm him, the sooner I announce, the more punitive I make the DOJ look. And so I think there's some real life consequences for how the regime going after him, how that plays into an announcement. I'm not saying that with any sort of inside information, but just as somebody from the outside, I do think he benefits from doing it sooner rather than later, just from his own but I also uh, am of the mindset to, to Megan's point, let them go out, let them bash each other, let them do whatever. Right now, I feel like Republicans have a, a really short window here in the next two years to get some really much smaller fights in the presidential race uh, uh, picked up and, and fights hopefully to win, i.e. the McCarthy fight. So while I'm focused on that, I think a lot of us should focus on that and let the, the bigger powers duke it out. I know what I'm walking into when we're talking about a Trump-DeSantis conversation. I'm glad to keep talking about it because I listen to you guys all this week and I know where you're at. I think I have a slightly different viewpoint, but either way, I think honestly, wake me up in two years. I just want to get rid of Kevin McCarthy next, next month. I thought Trump should have announced, and you know from listening to the show, I, I thought he should announce the day after the Mar-a-Lago raid. And now, now we're finding out from the Washington Post of all places, Rachel, that yeah, they don't really have anything politically incendiary that that came out of that. So it looks every bit as banana republicy as as it looked the night that we all watched it happen in real time. I thought he should have announced like the very next day, actually. Yeah, no, I agree. And I do think they are going to indict him. And I do think it's going to be on one of the weakest of all charges, if any. But all that to say, I want somebody to smash the regi regime into a thousand bits, and I'm not going to care about what anybody posts, any candidate posts for the next two years. All I want is somebody to, to go back riding on a white horse, utter destruction, bring me along for the ride so I can, you know, <laughs> wave my sword too, and then I'll be happy. I told you at times we share a brain. I just want to go along for the ride for utter destruction. I'm in. I'm in on something like that. Aaron, go ahead. So I, I think... The more the more that this goes on and the more I think about it, and I'm, I'm coming at this from if I were advising Donald Trump, uh, the more this goes on, I think he made the right decision to announce this early. And it was probably, as you said, probably uh, later than maybe he should have. But um, I, I think this allows him if I'm if I'm in his inner circle, I think this allows him the opportunity to suck up as much oxygen as he possibly can from who he obviously sees as his main competitor, and that is Ron DeSantis. So I don't know exactly what Ron DeSantis's plans are for the next two years. I've heard rumblings. I've heard rumblings that he's essentially going to try to do a march through uh, Florida institution, something like that. Whatever that entails, though, if I'm Donald Trump, I want to be branded already as I'm running in 2024. That's checked off. If I'm Donald Trump... No matter what Ron DeSantis does, 
He didn't go far enough. He didn't go far enough. He sh- should have fired more uh, University of Florida professors. He should have done that. He didn't go far enough. I want that all the time. Ron DeSantis didn't. I'm, I'm the real deal. Ron DeSantis isn't going far enough because he's already trying to brand Ron DeSantis as establishment, which is phony baloney in my, in my view. But if you want to do that, I think anytime Ron DeSantis tries to accomplish anything in Florida, a la like he's done the last couple of years, last three or four years actually, I want to be right there saying, "Oh, he didn't go far enough. Why isn't Why isn't he doing this far enough?" I think that could be uh, probably the most effective effective line of attack, uh, more than uh, Ron DeSanctimonious and his establishment. So I don't have a lot of time for this, Rachel, but I do want to go back to you because you intimated that. If, if we would be uh, fine with Trump leaning DeSantis, you'd be more fine with DeSantis leaning with Trump. So you have a, a different perspective than what our audience has heard from us here. Really, people are acting like this is brand new. I've been, t- I mean, you know this, I, I've been talking like this for like a year. I've been pretty open about this. It's not like just some post-election position I've had. I've talked about it for well over a year. I think that the, the fear that a lot of people have about just letting them go at it is that Trump won't do what Aaron said. And so therefore it won't be each of them trying to outvie each other for who will be the most destructive disruptor on our behalf, but he'll make it very personal, like what we saw last week. And that will divide us within our own ranks and divide a lot of our people. If it gets personal, like Ted Cruz's dad shot uh, JFK and his wife is ugly. Okay. I think that's, that's the fear that a lot of our people have about just let's put the two, you know, apex predators in the, in the room, like the Joker smash the cue stick in staff in half and say, we're going to have tryouts. All right. And then just sit <laughs> back and see who walks and whoever walks out of there, like that's the guy, right? I think we'd love to do that. But I think there's a fear that Trump will make it so personal and nasty that that divisiveness will filter down into our own ranks. Do you think that's a legitimate fear or not? I think that's a legitimate fear that a lot of people have. I know, Steve, you and I are not built like that. So I know what I'm about to say is something that that's not the average voter. I don't care what they say about each other or to each other. Is it ideal? No. But I want somebody who has the fire in the belly and is willing to say something really awkward and uncomfortable at a cocktail party that goes in and absolutely destroys everybody in the White House. I knew what this looked like. I worked in the White House. I know what it's like to have people who are on your side try to convince you to be a squish and to not touch the regime. Mm -hmm. You have to have somebody that is so devoid and unaffected by what anybody wants him to do and what anybody tells him to do. I don't care about the mean tweets. I don't care about dividing. And I wish more Americans would realize our country is almost done. It's almost over. And who cares what they say about each other in the primary? We just need somebody to get to the top, rise to the end in two years that will destroy everybody. And so I kind of wish people turned it off and didn't care and saw the end goal being utter destruction. And I'll just say this one last thing. That's why I slightly lean towards President Trump over over Ron DeSantis, even though I love both of them. And I was definitely where you guys were in the cruise side of the world, because it took us so long to figure out how to turn off some of these levers and how to destroy the regime that I'm worried that anybody comes in is, is new and doesn't necessarily know how to turn these spigots off. We wasted another couple years. Now, if anybody can do it and can figure it out, it's Ron DeSantis. So I'm not shorting him at all. That's a very valid point. That's a strong argument, no doubt. All right, let's get to the exit question. Call it right now. Gun to your head, but you won't be held to it because, again, man, we're not voting in Iowa for 15 friggin' months, okay? All right, so gun to your head, pizza bet, basically. 
Who's the GOP presidential nominee in 24, Aaron? I'm still going with Trump. Megan. Yeah, no, I'm going with DeSantis. I, I think there's um, there's just too much baggage there now. What do you think, Rachel? I think it's Trump. Okay. If you could make, here's our kicker topic. If you could make one personnel change within the Republican Party, one, whom would it be and why? Aaron. RNC chairwoman replace Rona Romney McDaniel with Christina Pusha. Dude. Now, I have no idea how well she can organize. I do know this. She you can, can charge message. admission putting her yep. on cable news at night. I do know that. All right. I mean, she that's I have no idea if she can organize a political party, but I know on, on camera behind a microphone, I, uh, I know that she would be pay per view, pay per view television in that role. Yeah. All right. Megan, what about you? You know, um, I was going to cheat and say that I would like to get rid of um, John Roberts because I think so many significant cases are going to be coming before the Supreme Court now with this uh, not respect for marriage act. But um, if I'm being, you know, serious about, okay, personnel, then uh, you got to get rid of Mitch McConnell. How can you look? I mean, the bare minimum of what they should be doing is confirming judges and getting nominees through. And we act like no one else can do that but mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell because of that one achievement. And I just reject that. I think that that is the least we should expect of you. Right. Mitch McConnell's and, um, making an entire career out of not letting Barack Obama appoint Antonin Scalia's successor as if he was the only Republican on earth that would have been unwilling to do that. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and to add to that, you know, even the people that we look at as real conservative leadership, we're looking at people like Tom Cotton, who actually spoke up for electing yeah. Mitch McConnell. Yeah. So it, I, I got to get rid of him. What do you think, Rachel? My whole life, I have always said Mitch McConnell. I see the end is near for him. He has so many terrible senators in the Senate, we saw Cynthia Lummis vote for this mm-hmm. gay marriage bill. I think he's becoming more irrelevant, and I have a new mission in my life. I'm a shiny objects girl. You dangle <laughs> getting rid of Kevin McCarthy in front of me, and I'm all in on it. So right now, my world is all about getting rid of Kevin McCarthy. Rachel is like, uh, McCar- getting rid of McCarthy is a girl's best friend, indeed. All right, let's get to our predictions. Rachel, quickly, go ahead. My prediction is Tom Brady's going to get married within the year to try to beat Giselle at finding his new love. Nice. <laughs> nice. Did not expect that. I did not expect that. We, You know what? In the end, you reminded us, even though she talks like Steve Dace, she is still a girl, guys. Keep that in mind. All right, Megan, go <laughs> I'm ahead. Volunteering. I'm just throwing I, it out there. It's somebody's going to be really lucky. I hear you. I hear you. Go ahead, I Megan. I love that prediction. I am, I'm all in on that. Um, I am going to predict that Beth Moore and Christianity Today are going to come out as fully affirming in the next two years. So um, they're going to be openly saying that um, they have a new interpretation of the Bible. You think they'll you think they'll hold out another two years? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Okay. And I could be being overly optimistic there. (laughs) This is the show where optimism comes to die, which is why (laughs) Rachel had all our jaws on the floor here about 30 minutes ago. Indeed. All right, Aaron, go ahead. The battle for the Floyd of Rosedale tomorrow. Iowa will have two interceptions returned for touchdowns and lose 15 to 14. Didn't he warn you ladies that his prediction will likely be lame, dumb, and completely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. And he delivers every week. You guys got to come back in the summertime when he gives us his NFL preseason games for predictions. Yeah. Just who's playing in the hall of fame game next year. Exactly. Thank you. I'm going to predict that by this time next year, 
Donald Trump will name a running mate. And because of how nip and tuck things are between him and DeSantis, that he will he will name a he will name a running mate um, with the intent of trying to see if maybe that might be what puts him over the top as this thing looks like, you know, it's the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. And he'll do it just like he announced early to show strength. I think he'll do this earlier than what we did on the Cruz campaign, where we did it with Carly Fiorina as essentially a Hail Mary pass to save our candidacy and reboot things, um, you know, when we were on death's door. I think in this case, it will be an attempt to see, can I, can I add something more to the package that gets me over the top against Ron DeSantis? That's what I think. And, and if I had to guess... If I had to guess, that person will be Christy Gnome, if I had to guess. But I'm more confident that it will be a running mate announcement he'll make at the end of next year. Ladies, good to see you. As always, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to both of you, okay? Thank you. You too. We'll be back with Feedback Friday here next. And you're next. Stay tuned. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here without Todd Erzin. He's got the day off, but uh, Aaron is here, as are all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing the show. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can also uh, find me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then look for me as well over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there, where I'm pretty sure I am shadow banned. Could I be the only man in America? Shadow banned on Facebook and Truth Social simultaneously. And if so... I don't need any help in the ego department. That's going to boost it all the more, if I'm just being honest. We were always going to get the answer to that question. <laughs> we were always going to. Yes. If there was, if there was anybody destined yep. Yep. to be deemed too dangerous for both the Trump platform and the regime's platform, it was probably going to be this show. So here we are. Uh, you can also find clips of the show free to watch and free of any censorship when you head over to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And for those of you that listen to the podcast, we can't thank you enough. I mean, you're our Christmas present this year. You're the reason why we uh, uh, we just signed a new three-year extension with The Blaze, and I was able to give Todd and Aaron uh, some uh, robust uh, enhancements to their compensation packages. So you guys are a big reason why. We cannot thank you enough. Please do one more thing for us if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your choice, and thank you from the bottom of our hearts, sincerely, to all of you that have done those things for us already. This portion of the show is brought to you by realestateagentsitrust.com in these unprecedented times. Bing. I was wondering if you'd be awake. Although just flashing to Todd's empty chair would have been acceptable too. True. Yeah, yeah. that'd have been acceptable too, but I liked it. Uh, make sure that you dare not venture in to the, I mean, now we've just had a sudden massive drop in mortgage rates in the, I mean, this thing's all over the place, man. 
It's just chaotic out there. Make sure you go in with a real estate agent with a fully vetted, full-time, I'm not Bo Jackson, I do real estate in my hobby, no, full-time, vetted, verified track record of success. You're looking for someone that can shepherd you through what can be right now, especially a very convoluted process. I mean, this is always stressful, but now it's convoluted and stressful. Make sure you find an agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. We vet, verify everybody. That's why we've got a waiting list of thousands waiting to get in. We don't just take anybody. The process is simple. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com today. Provide us with some basic info, and then our team will reach out to you and help make an introduction to one of our preferred agents to get you to the finish line. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get to some feedback Friday. Aaron, are you ready to go? You bet. I am going to read a note that is way longer than what I would typically get into on the show. But the reason why I'm going to do it is because I think it's a, it's a tale that a lot of people in our audience, it's a testimony that I think a lot of people in our audience can give. And it demonstrates why we do the show the way that we do it. This is from Marina. She writes, I've been listening to you guys for at least a year. I've often wanted to share my story and dilemma, but just never felt it was the right time until the other night when you said you were listening and wanting to take in more information before reacting to what's happening in our country. I'm going to try my darndest not to write too much. But what I'm about to share will be presented in the starkest form possible, resulting in some rather shocking and disturbing truths that have been my life. I'm a married 62-year-old female living in Connecticut, working as a psychiatric nurse practitioner, meaning I mostly prescribe medication. I was born in Italy and came to the U.S. with my mother when I was two. My father had already come to the U.S., and thanks to JFK, we were able to join him. We grew up as Catholics in the social sense only. My father sexually abused me between the ages of five and eight. I had a female cousin sexually abused me between the ages of eight and 12. My father was a violent man and consequently I was both the recipient of that violence and watched him beat my mother frequently. I kept the abuse to myself until my freshman year in college. Needless to say, it blew up my family. But what was really sad for me was that my mother did not come to my aid and instead chose to stay with him because the shame of a broken home was too shameful for her to bear in front of her friends and family. This set me up to embrace my victimhood, which was fortified by my leftist education and buying into much of the ideologically, the ideology underpinning the field in the field of psychology and psychiatry. Most of my adult life was trying to straddle the opposing values of feminism with my deepest wishes to find the right man and have a family. Unfortunately, I was mired in the spirit of the age and proceeded to date men and have sex with them before really getting to know them, always putting the cart before the horse in the never-ending looking for Mr. Goodbar. I get the reference there. And yes, during that time, drugs and rock and roll also figured prominently. I had my first abortion at age 20, paid by my first love who in no way wanted to marry me. Then my second abortion when I was 35, thanks to another man who was not about to step up. Then when I was 37, I met my husband. Again, we put the cart before the horse. We had sex before we had the nerve to tell the deep, dark secret I knew he was keeping for me, but I had no idea what it could be. It was one of the most devastating experiences when he finally told me that he had sexually abused his children, had been to jail, treatment, etc. I was so stunned, I couldn't begin to process this. Strangely, I told my siblings, my brother introduced him to me, and neither he nor my sister dissuaded me from pursuing this, this relationship. 
I tried a multitude of times to leave him, but found that I couldn't. And that's a long story. Fast forward to 2016, I had a series of events that culminated in changing me forever. First was President Trump becoming president. I voted for Hillary, not because I thought she was great, but because I didn't know much about Trump. My husband didn't tell me at first, but later admitted that he voted for Trump. I was stunned with how the Democrats and some of my friends were shaken up by this. Next, I was randomly drawn to the book 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson when visiting a bookstore and was exposed to conservative ideas for the first time. This led me to, I guess, what we'll call the dark web, where I found people like Ben Shapiro, The Rubin Report, Glenn Beck, etc. I started to question my stance on abortion and was becoming more convinced that Ben Shapiro was right. Life begins at conception. However, it wasn't until the summer of 2020 when New York passed the bill to legalize abortion up until the time of birth that the reality of what I had done hit me like a ton of bricks. I felt nauseous, cried, and at that moment gave my life to Jesus because for the first time I saw my sin clearly and knew that Buddha wasn't going to be able to save me. Before the lockdowns, I was going to a Buddhist temple at times, a Catholic church at others, going to holy yoga at a congregational church, following word of faith people, reading the Bible and the book, A Course in Miracles, which is new age from the pit of hell. I thank God every day for those lockdowns. I would not have been saved without them. Next, however, we were trying to find a Bible-believing church. I firmly believed that I would have to move to Tennessee or Kentucky to find one. Strangely, we were able to find a very good one right here in our backyard. The pastor is originally from California, and the church has actually grown since COVID. By the way, there are no rainbow flags or BLM banners at this church. Have you noticed that a lot of pastors and Bible-believing churches in California, like John MacArthur and Jack Hibbs, to name that there are a lot in California, like John MacArthur and Jack Hibbs, to name a few. They are surely lights in a very dark place. My struggle in prayer has been, how do I redeem my career in psychiatry that is putting me in a situation after situation, after, in situation after situation that compromises the word of God? We had a pastor from Kansas who also had a PhD in psychology visit our church recently, and he told me I should consider moving there as it appears they are hard up on finding psychiatric people, practitioners to prescribe medications to their Christian counseling centers. My husband was not about it. His stance is to stay where you're planted and shine your light. I shared with my pastor my thoughts to start a mental health ministry here in Connecticut. He was very supportive. I'm wondering if you've ever felt that your passion for politics might also need to be transformed. I do see that you already have been taking a very biblical view on what's happening now. Lately, I've been thinking that instead of moving to a red state or trying to vote our way out of this, we might consider fortifying the believers by taking heed of the letters that Christ wrote to the churches in Revelation. I strongly believe that we are nearing the end times. Deception is at its peak. Romans 1 is being powerfully displayed in our world. I believe the culture is lost and will remain so. We will not prevail in changing the culture because it's too late for that. The prince of the power of the air is spreading his delusion in ways never thought possible. You have a tremendous platform. I'm wondering if we should be concentrating on modeling ourselves after the churches in places like Smyrna and Philadelphia. I love you all, Steve, Todd, and Aaron. You guys have been a light in a very, very dark time. God bless you all. Again, that's Marina. Here's why I shared that entire note. Marina's story is the same story many of us have. The level of brokenness here both displayed upon her and then by her upon others. 
And this is why, and now you can see the difference here with an anchor, the right anchor in her life. You see the difference. You see the clarity. Doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. But could you not tell, just as I was reading her words, how her story changes as she's writing it out? You can sense, you can sense the fumbling through the darkness, looking for direction. And then suddenly, a light shines in the darkness. And there's clarity on the path to take. We are not in this position as a culture, I don't believe, because our institutions are broken. Rather, our institutions are broken because we're in this position as a culture. And we're in this position as a culture because we are broken. I saw somebody post something on Twitter yesterday. And it made me stop and think. And it said, the difference between Glenn Beck and Steve Dace, well, there's several. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, and I'm the, the follow-up show. <laughs> okay? But he said the difference between Glenn Beck and Steve Dace is that Glenn thinks he has the smartest audience in America, and Steve thinks he has the dumbest. And, and that made me stop and think because I want to make sure, and I, and I will tell you, I struggle with this. It's something I think about a lot. I want us to be a challenging show, but I don't want it to be a discouraging one. And... I do fear that at times we may challenge too much. And that still may be true. I mean, I'm just challenging as an individual. I'm a nonconformist by nature. I grew up in an environment where I went to 11 different schools, K through 12. On a given day, Dave would announce, we're going to Cedar Point. We're going to Disney World. Or just beat the hell out of us. I mean, I didn't know on a daily basis. So, chaotic circumstances, uncertain circumstances, those are native habitats to me. I, I am far more, anybody who knows me well will tell you, Steve is much more of a struggle in contentment. I'm not, I'm not worried about Steve showing up where there's conflict. I'm worried more about Steve causing conflict where there doesn't need to be. Is that a fair, is that a fair assessment, Aaron? Getting sure. to know me the last few years and sure. working with me? Yeah. And, and so I do worry about that. I, 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 I do evaluate all the time. Are we overrating things? I read something 
yesterday from a guy who's an atheist, but it has an intellect I respect and has been on our show numerous times. David Harsanye, who's one of the editors at The Federalist. And essentially what he wrote, and he singled out our colleague, Ali Stuckey. You Christians are acting like this is of existential angst. You're blowing this way out of proportion. And I did. I stopped and thought to myself, is he right about that? Because there's two options. One is that David is limited by his, his worldview into recognizing things of existential consequence because of what he believes about God and therefore the nature, the, the nature of history and human beings as a result. Or that maybe we are blowing things out of proportion. And maybe even it's a little bit of both, you know? So I read every word of what David wrote. Thought about it for quite a bit after I read it. Because I am wondering, I'm wondering a lot. Do we push you too far? And then I read Marina's note. And, and you can see the devastation of what the spirit of the age has done to her and her family. What the spirit of the age has done to me, my family. What it has done to yours and your family. Maybe the brokenness in Marina's note is more extraordinary than yours. Or maybe... Sadly and tragically, your story is even more broken than this one. But there probably isn't a household in America in this last generation that isn't touched by this kind of brokenness to some extent or another. And that has led to the distrust of our traditional systems of leadership, starting with fathers pastors and then right on down the line in my own conversion my struggle was not with God's justice I was totally fine with the concept of a hell especially since I was fairly convinced that it was only for Hitler bin Laden child molesters and people not named Steve Dace no, what, what I struggled really to, to grasp and to, and to internalize and take hold of was the idea of an altruistic father. A father who does what is right simply because it is. Not as a make good, not as a makeup, not to look good, but it's in his nature to do those things. The only altruistic masculine role model of my childhood was a superhero and he came from another planet. So the idea of a real being who embodies those sorts of things and acts accordingly, that was hard for me to grasp. When we try to challenge you on our show, most of the time, not always, but the vast majority of the time, 
It's not because we're angry. It's because we're concerned. I go back to what Megan Basham said on this show last hour. The hour is late. The hour is late. I don't know if we are living in the end times. I do think that never before in human history could such a convening event seemingly take place. For example, Paul says when the time was right, when the time was right, God sent his son. What does he mean by that? They flipped a coin. They spun the wheel of destiny and it came up first century Judea. No, this was the first time really that since, since Babel, that the majority of the world had been united in a singular culture and system, even a language. The Romans, they had created essentially proto versions of paving with roads. Now, granted, their idea of, you know, travel and safety is a little bit different than what we have in the 21st century. But at that point in human history, that was the first time it was realistic to spread a global message of a Messiah to the world. And that's why the time was right. As soon as it was possible, as soon as it was possible for God to send his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world would be saved, as soon as it was possible for such a message driven by its followers to reach a global audience, Christ came as soon as that was possible. I would argue in the inverse that this is the first time it is truly possible as we were, as it was demonstrated with COVID and how the entire world basically with limited exception got in line overnight, all agreeing for the first time. When was the last time empires and military and socioeconomic conflict Set aside their nationalistic preferences. The opportunity to strategically gain an advantage. Set all that aside and succumb to the same agenda. Shut yourself down. End your way of life. That had never happened before. Such a message could have never been globally communicated and adhered to before until now. So those of you who see that, like Megan does, and wonder, I don't blame you at all. At the very least, I have told you, the end of Western civilization is on the table. And what will come after the end of Western civilization? What came before Western civilization? The Dark Ages. Now, this Dark Ages won't be bubonic plagues. Who knows? It might be, actually, now that I think about it. This one will be technocratic. You'll have, some, uh, you'll have some of the, the accoutrements of modernity, but they'll all be under control, as you will be. Because the idea of the, of the individual worth and value of each person that comes out of the Judeo-Christian worldview alone, alone, no other worldview in the world has ever preached, taught, or discipled that than the biblical one. It will be lost just as it was lost during the Dark Ages. 
At the very least, we're playing for that. And so, I just want everybody to know. And I want to reiterate. And if, and by all means, if it, if it seems as if we've crossed from challenging to discouraging, tell us. I don't want to do that. I don't, nihilism and cynicism are not inherent to a biblical worldview. So I want to make sure that we are not despondent. I'm trying to figure out what is the right place to be realistic about where we are and to stop another generation from succumbing to the spirit of the age so there aren't any more stories like Marina's or they're not as abundant as they have been in this last generation. Because yes, Aaron, there appears to be a redemptive ending here. Thank God for that. But she's 62 years old, Aaron. Mm -hmm. How much, how long and how much did this woman have to suffer by the lies of the spirit of the age before she achieved that redemptive ending? This is, this is what I was talking about on, on uh, an overtime a couple of weeks ago about getting to meet your mom and how obviously proud, not because your mama's boy, but because I, I, it just oozed out of her how proud she is because she felt like she, she, you were her biggest accomplishment, her, her kind of reason in life, if you will. And it was great to meet her because she had kind of kind of risen to mythical status in my mind. So to, to be able to meet her in person, but what really got me is what you just said. How many other women, 60, 70 something year old women and younger, never really got the chance by God's grace at that redemptive ending hmm. and conclusion to their life. And it's not just women as well. You know, it's, it's everyone. That's what we're truly playing for. It's people like, people like the email that we just read, Steve's mom, that could have, that could have continued to buy the lie of the spirit of the age and were in many ways for most of their lives or a good chunk of their lives victimized by it, either through their own choices or through those um, of others. And when it comes to the question of, are we blowing this out of proportion, like we're playing for existential stakes, folks, if you, if you believe the word of God, if the Holy Spirit is um, within you or has an impact on your life, fundamentally, the Christian walk has always been one about existential things. First with your own soul, and then the souls of others. That's not to say that we are in, uh, not in a different time than we were 50 years ago, 100 years ago, or 1,000 years ago in terms of the long history of this planet, which is very short in God's, in God's eyes. Because I do believe we are in a different time. Just look at the issue of transgenderism. I defy you to show me another civilization in history. We've had child sacrifice as long as this planet has been around 
I, I can't think of another thing quite like transgenderism, though. Not exactly like it. Legislated insanity. Legislated insanity. Imposed insanity. So yeah. I defy you to tell me that this is just kind of the same kind of, uh, well, this is the 40-year, uh, uh, this is just a generation turning over, generation turning over. And then when you add on it as well, the ability with the technology that we have to be able to get one message out and one response around the world, basically like we had with COVID, those are just two, let's just call them anecdotal, uh, uh, anecdotal pieces of evidence that this is a different time than we have been before in terms of the overall picture narrative of this planet. It doesn't matter, though, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, your walk is one of an existential nature for yourself, for those around you, and for the unbelieving world. There's never been a question about that. Hmm. <sighs> Terrible segue, but I don't have time to get to another note in the time we have left. Babylon B's account has been fully restored on Twitter. Finally. Think the floodgates are about to open? I sure hope so. We were talking about during the uh, during the um, the break, people were tweeting just melodramatic BS last night, like Twitter was going down. So like what a perfect Titanic. time for him to do that. Yeah. Just to troll the trolls. The perfect yep. time for Musk to do that. A bunch of millennial crybabies and Gen Z crybabies that he fired because they he was going to make them actually show up to work. Spreading a rumor that Twitter was going to, was, was shutting down. That's the perfect day for him just to come back and uh, say up your nose with a rubber hose and just restore everybody. That it that unless it's confirmed you made a threat to somebody or you were promoting illegality, just bring everybody back. What it, it's the perfect time for us to do that, is it not? Yeah, and that's a total. I mean, at least from what I've seen from him so far, that he he likes he likes to let you know who's in who's the boss. Yeah, who's the boss? And hey, forty billion dollars. I should hope he likes that. Or however much it was, $54 billion Yeah, for, for what he paid for it, I think he probably earned that right, uh, if he would like. So um, back to Marina's note. Marina, thank you for sharing your story. It's an incredible, it's an incredible story. And here's the thing, though. It ain't over yet. You might be 62, but you got a new look on life, man, a new beginning. So use it. No wasted ammo, as I like to say. Can't take any of it with you. Fire, fire absolutely every bullet that you have. There are more notes that we will get to um, that uh, I've been saving as well to discuss, but I, I just wanted to make sure Marina's got a special place because hers is a story that is very common in America given the havoc that has been wreaked in this last generation. Um, what's not common is the redemptive ending her, that her story has, and that's what we're trying to do on our show is help more of those redemptive endings happen. If you're a pet owner, then you know that that uh, puppy's health and happiness matters a lot to your family because it matters a lot to your family. But maybe you didn't know 
that uh, a lot of times the food you're buying from the store has been stripped of a lot of the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, antioxidants, etc. that your pet needs for the same reason they've stripped a lot of the people food of that stuff too. For all of the mass distribution out there, mass consumption, longer shelf life, that's why we're buying so many supplements these days and now thankfully there's one for your pet as well. It's called Rough Greens. It's the powder you mix in with your pet's food, stir it in. And with that one little act there, you restore to your pet's food a lot of the vital nutrition that it's likely lacking. But you might be wondering, what if my pet doesn't like it? Um, What if I don't see a difference? Those are all valid questions to ask, but especially in the let's go Brandon economy where a lot of us don't have the money to let's just give it a shot in the let's go Brandon economy. That's why we're going to give you the first 14 day Jumpstart bag for free. We ask you to pony up for the shipping because if you don't have any skin in the game, it'll probably just, you know, not get used, collect dust. Uh, we, we, a lot of times we will use stuff that we are invested in and take advantage of or not use stuff that we got for nothing. So you pay for the shipping, but we'll pick up the bigger expense with the bag itself. When you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com. See if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. You can also call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's get back to some Feedback Friday. James Miller says, I thought I'd bring you guys some good tidings of great joy a couple of months ago. I turned our pastor onto your show. After he binged something, some, some of your podcast for a couple of days, the Sunday morning sermon was on drag queens and what the trans jihad is trying to do to our children. Let's just say his sermons lately are sounding a lot more familiar. So buck up, you guys. You're making a bigger impact than you know. That's that's phenomenal. I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than other than thank you, James, for sharing that. Really appreciate it. I'm lucky the the church that Bob and I attend. I, I don't even know if our pastor. Uh, I think he's aware of who you are, but I don't think he's ever listened to the show. Um, after Roe v. Wade was overturned, he was not there that Sunday. I think he was traveling, but that was the lead from the person who did the announcements praising the Lord for the overturning of that before the election. That was the lead of the sermon. You need to go exercise your duty as a citizen, but more importantly, as a, as a citizen of heaven. But there was one sermon at the beginning of our study of uh, Genesis that we're going through that sounded a heck of a lot like this show Hmm. in a number of ways, in a number of ways, hitting on a lot of the themes that we hit on. Guess who was in attendance during one of those uh, one of those uh, one of those sermons? Uh, that would be Chuck Grassley. Oh I don't my. know why he I don't know why he showed up. I don't know. I don't know. He did not vote for you know declaring war on the church. Maybe something stuck in his craw. Let's hope so, that. because I can tell you for a fact he was seriously leaning towards doing I know. so. I know. Yeah. Adam writes, when the wolf beats the bear, or whether the wolf beats the bear or the bear beats the wolf, the rabbit always loses. How are we not the rabbit? They've stolen two elections in a row. I wish they hadn't. But when every coincidence or every problem goes one way, what other conclusion can we reach? Isn't their cheating narrative built in now? Let me pause by the side. I loved the Josh Shapiro is already going after election integrity in Pennsylvania. And you looked at the story with some guy that on, on his campaign that forged like a thousand signatures on a 
uh, on an effort to gather to gather enough signatures for the ballot. I think it was. So out of that, he got all these uh, you know huge headlines about cleaning up the elections in Pennsylvania because someone tried to fudge about a thousand signatures to qualify for a ballot. Anyway, back to Adam's note. They won enough times, it doesn't matter what polls say or what people say. They can print ballots as much as they want and point to 2022 as justification of a hidden vote. I'd like to be wrong, but I'm thinking I'm not. Adam, I'd like you to be wrong too, but I can't sit here and say that you're not. I I can't say that you're not. In the first century... This kind of conversation might have gone this way. I'd like to be wrong, but tell me we're just not all going to get rounded up. Nero doesn't care about the law. Nero doesn't care about Roman tradition. Sooner or later, he's going to catch on to the fact we're drawing these fish in the dirt to identify each other as a password, as a safe word. I mean, I just don't see much hope. I don't see much hope for us as Christians here within this empire. I'd like to be wrong, but I'm thinking I'm not. There is an answer to this dilemma. Now, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to warn you up front. It won't. It, it, it's not the stuff of fairy tales but I'll use a movie analogy. In the dark night, when Bruce Wayne is at his most hopeless, how do I defeat an opponent that will go to extents I won't go to? I can't go to. Otherwise, I'm going to become like him. I'll become maybe even worse. I have to put these, the, these parameters on, my, on what I'm doing. And he says to Alfred, what would you have me do? And Alfred says, Endure. I can't sit here to Adam or anybody else and tell you that the system will permit you to win a national election of consequence again. Folks, I I can't sit here and tell you that within a year or two, if you're depending on where you live, you might not be Randy Weavered if you don't give up your kids to the regime to be transed. I can't tell you that. I mean, the state where I grew up, where I just spent an incredible weekend with my family. Yeah, it was bitterly cold, but so what? One of the greatest sports facilities we have as a country in the world, really watching my favorite team on its best run since I was a kid, sitting out there, me and my son, enjoying that moment together. Knowing, though, 
in the back of my mind the whole time knowing that just a week ago, there are people in this stadium sitting here with me who went to the polls and voted that I can have my kids taken away if I won't let, if I won't let you mencola them. If I, won't, if I won't let you experiment with my children on the island of Dr. Moreau. So I, I can't guarantee any of those things. On the Romans 1 collision course, we are on now. So what would I have you do? Endure. Endure to the end. Finish your race. Finish your race. Because we're all going to be dead a lot longer than we were ever alive. Finish your race With the goal of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. And understand that the vast majority of those who have come before you that have already heard those words in eternity never had a Republican Party, never had a Constitution, never had a United States of America, never had freedom, never had a Second Amendment, never had liberty. They endured. We still have, to some degree, everything I just mentioned. So we endure too. That's what we do. We don't give in. We don't tap out. We endure. Just like our Lord endured all the way to the end, so do we. That's what we do. I didn't say it was easy, but it's simple. We endure. And then, because he endured, and then because he endured, we did. When those who reach eternity say, or try to say, hey, no one told me. I didn't know any better. When those who reach eternity and don't hear, well done, good and faithful servant, they are without excuse. They knew. They just didn't care. That is our role in the process. Our role is not to begin from the premise of orchestrating a particular outcome. But living out a particular faithfulness. We endure. That's what we do. We endure. As crappy as things are, because of how supportive all of you have been, the three families here that represent this show are going to have better Christmases this year. Thank you. As crappy as things are right now, you think I'm surly. Todd's even surlier. He took the day off today to go travel and watch his daughter in the NCAA soccer tournament. All of you within the sound of my voice, you are going to still be able to do something today. The vast majority of people in this world cannot, and the vast majority of people who have ever lived in this world could not.
That That is not to take away at all from the seriousness of what we are up against. But to point out that even in the midst of those things, God is still good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So here's what we do. We endure. We might be the rabbit now, but he is the lion. The wolf and the bear may appear to dominate now, but the lion is the apex predator. It is the king of the jungle. So, we endure. That's what we do. I just think what will be more difficult about this is Christendom has had more difficult challenges than what we are facing in our era, but we are facing a unique one in our era. The loss of a civilization largely founded on your belief system, which is not an option, really, prior to the establishment of this country for any previous era of Christians to, to, to fall victim to a cultural hijacking because they were constantly on the outskirts of mainstream culture. We're the, this is the first country ever founded on a creed. Whose creeds? Ours. And so that, I think, is what makes it more difficult is you still see a lot of the trappings and traditions of your belief system. It's just all now turned and used against you. So I don't want to make it seem like this isn't discouraging or it's trite. But it's also not a, a vat of acid, at least not yet. It's also not a prison camp, at least not yet. So what do we do? We endure. That's what we do. Wrap things up by telling you about our friends over at Tyga Coolers. You know, tailgate season is still here. It is still football season. The most wonderful time of the year. It's also the most wonderful time of the year for the giving of gifts. A lot of great. Maybe you're looking for an idea. What's something I've not done for somebody before that would be unique? What's a corporate or client gift that would be unique? How about a, a cool premium cooler from Tyga Coolers, which you can customize, by the way. You want to customize it with your family, customize it with your company, customize it for your clients and their companies. You can do that with our friends over at Tyga Coolers, an American company of American parts and workers, pro-America views. They love the blaze. Had a chance to meet Wayne from Tyga Coolers when I was down in Dallas for the election last week. And they'll offer you 10% off with the discount code Steve, and a lifetime warranty, by the way, when you go to tigacoolers.com, tigacoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A for tigacoolers.com. Use the promo code Steve for a 10% discount at tigacoolers.com. Aaron, we got about two minutes here. You have any final thoughts? Well, I think, um, I think this hour of Feedback Friday, given the last week, two weeks of what we've had to talk about was much needed. Reminding us of the stakes that we're truly playing for. We're not, we're not in this to save America. That's just a, that's just a catch-all term or a side effect of what we're trying to do. We're trying 
We're trying to expand God's kingdom one soul at a time. And we heard, we heard from one earlier in the show. That should be a great encouragement to you, but it, is, it should also be a cause of great, great mourning as well for what we talked about too. That there are others. This is just one story. There are countless others, especially in this country, 60, 70 years old, old and younger. Generations worth of people bought in, bought into the lie of the spirit of the age, the lies of the spirit of the age, with nary an opportunity to escape them. Are we going to be the ones that shine that light on the next generation, to the next generation? to this generation, and, and if God wills, the previous ones as well. Because as, just to repeat what I said earlier, we've always been. The Christian walk is always one of, of, of an existential nature in the sense that our souls, our own soul is at stake, and the souls of others are at stake. We are the instruments that God uses to shine his light in the darkness. How are we gonna do that this week? today this weekend amen and then you know what still keep enjoying the freedom and liberty and fun you're still permitted to have don't be an ingrate make sure to enjoy those things to that end have a great weekend we'll see you monday john three seventeen. this is steve dace on the blaze radio network